Right, it's Kamiya from Games of Brains of Banger Life. Would Seb Cole from Punk Rockers, to generically call him that, uh, Creature Creature. Seb, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, not bad, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries. How you been holding up during the global pandemic world? <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit odd, hasn't it? Um, yeah. I don't know, like, I, think, I think you find a way to keep yourself busy. Um, I mean, I was working sort of through a lot of it, so that sort of kept me going and then I only went on to kind of furlough scheme recently. Um, so I've been at home for last sort of few weeks, okay. but yeah, I think working kind of kept a certain amount of normality in it for me. Oh, but, I completely understand. Yeah. I never stopped. My, my yeah. I haven't stopped. I, from day one of pandemic to now, my work never changed. So yeah. yeah. Um, if you don't want me asking, uh, what do you do? Uh, I work in a law firm. Oh. Um, just sort of uh, general like admin and um, like legal assistance. Nothing sort of too fancy, but that's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It kept you busy. Yeah, yeah. Really. So you went uh, on furlough the last couple of weeks, um, and what have you been doing in that like period to kind of keep yourself busy? I guess is it all just prep. Um, kind of. Yeah. I mean, I, I just I. Sometimes me and, you know, me and my girlfriend wake up and it's like, well, what should we do today? And you just kind of have to wing it like each day. So, I mean, you know, you go for walks and um, I mean, we've got a dog recently. So that's certainly kept us busy the last couple of weeks because um, he's, I don't know, about, he's 10 weeks old. So mm. <laughs> it's been quite full on. What kind of dog? Uh, he's a Border Collie. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Really active, too clever for his own good. Um, so yeah, he's sort of run circles around us a bit so far, but we're getting there. Excellent, excellent. Um, and on a sort of band level, yeah, basically going into lockdown at months leading up to an album release, how how did that affect <laughs> you guys as a unit, man? Um, it affected everything. I mean, you know, we were set to go on tour in May. And obviously when the when the sort of lockdown period began, it was like, mm, it seems like we might still be able to do it. And then just as the sort of days and weeks started to go by in uh, like the beginning of April, it was like, yeah, there's no way we're going to be able to do it. Uh, we had three tours lined up from now till the end of the year. And we, just everything's on hold. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the album release originally was meant to be um, a similar time. So it was meant to be in May and the first tour was to promote that launching. Uh, and obviously it's all had to be pushed back, which is sort of difficult for us because it's been over a year now since we actually went and recorded it. So we just, well, I think we're all a bit impatient. We just want to get it out there. So um, yeah, it's been pushed back to the 10th of July now. It was really interesting as well because you say you recorded over a year ago. So for you, this is what we're going to hear on the 10th of July is so old for you, so to speak. Whereas, yeah, in a way, in a way it is because, you know, I mean, we've, we've obviously been listening to the completed stuff for a little bit, but, you know, we've already sort of, um, I think as soon as you finish one thing, you start doing another. So as soon as we, got the recording all done it's like right it, we've done all we can do it's now in the hands of you know um tommy who was 
doing the uh, production and mixing and everything. And then we were having it sent off to be mastered. So it was kind of like, we've done all we can do. So the next thing we can do is keep gigging, but also crack on and start writing more stuff. Um, so it moves very quickly from like finishing album one to starting to write album two in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. This has dropped a span of writing the works because you know, we're not meeting up or anything. I mean, when we meet up sort of once, at least once a week and usually more because we have gigs rolling around here and there. Um, it's very weird sort of not seeing everyone week in, week out and cracking on with some, you know, new material going forward. I guess it's just, ugh, you're stuck in this limbo position where you really can't advance as quickly as you would normally like. As you say, you can't go out and gig. Oh, you can sit at home and you can write music mm. and all that, but you can't play together. You can't practice together. You're just sending each other files effectively. Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, originally the way we the way we write anyway has always sort of been that someone comes up with an idea and they send a file around to everyone. Mm. But it's usually that it starts somewhere and then goes to Dan, who then does his lyrics and vocals over it but then it's taken straight into the studio and we work on it all as a group and bounce ideas off each other. Whereas obviously at the moment, it's quite difficult to do that um, when you're not in contact with anyone else in your group for such a long period of time. Have you missed, have you missed them? <laughs> oh, some of them. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I miss all of them. I think we all miss each other. Um, I think everyone in the group is quite unique and quirky in their own way. Everyone has different personality traits, but we just seem to gel together really well. Like we always have really. So it's very weird not seeing people because, you know, we're all mates rather yeah. than just being in a group together. Um, you know, we've been on tour together. We know each other all very well. I mean, you know, you really get close as a group after that first tour. Um, and yeah, it's very weird not seeing everyone. But yeah, I do. Yeah, I do miss them. They probably don't miss me much, but I doubt that very much. Um, your <laughs> publicist, uh, your publicist was very praiseworthy uh, when it came to setting up these interviews as well. So it's already kind of gave me a a broad idea of what you uh, as a unit were like, basically. Mm, that's good because I'd be worried if he wasn't praiseworthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been really weird. I said, "No, yeah. man, telling me what a bunch of gits." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm really publicising this band as being like, you know, really, really like, you know, not friends. They're all horrible to each other. <laughs> so Creature Creatures Origins, obviously go back to 2016, folk punk band, yeah. so to speak. Um, it's the name that when I was reading up about you, it was the name that made me smile. 40 shillings on a drum, on the drum. Yeah. Can you explain <laughs> that? <laughs> Um, that originally came from, um, I mean, we were bouncing around names and our roots originally, we were more of a um, folk orientated group. I mean, we had a fiddle player and we were auditioning people for playing the flute and or trying to line that sort of stuff up. So we were in a very, very different area um, doing very sort of folk punky kind of stuff. Mm. Kind of like Dropkick Murphys or Flogging Molly, that sort of area. Um, and it was the singer, our singer Dan, who came up with it originally. I mean, he um, grew up around a lot of 80s TV and shows like uh, Sharp. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's with Sean Bean. It's a little bit before my time. 
I know it. Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna lie. It's a lot before my time. But um and there's a I believe there's a poem in that um which has the lyric in it, forty shillings on the drum. And Dan just always remembered that and thought it would be a good name for something. And we spent a lot of time banding about names and couldn't really centre on anything. And when that came out, it was like, oh, it has a bit of a meaning. It's a bit quirky. So we decided to go with it. Cool. It's cool. It's, uh, as you say, quite unique and it jumped out. But obviously that doesn't matter now because it's Creature Creature as of 20, yeah. <laughs> well, 2018. Um, what, if you wouldn't mind, uh, what changed? What went, why did we go from 40 shillings on the drum to Creature Creature? I think it was, I think the identity of the group changed. That was sort of... Um, it wasn't the main reason, but it was a bit of a catalyst to it happening. Like we, our lineup changed a few times from the very beginning when we started out and some people left and new people came in. And then we ended up with the, our central group and, that we were happy with um, and we all just connected mm. uh, better than we had done previously. And our style shifted quite far away from the folk punk area everything sort of changed and we were going down a far more modern contemporary route trying to do something new and we felt the name didn't necessarily fit with the image that we were creating for ourselves and we had a few other people highlight that to us as well so we sort of took the decision to say right we're going we're going to have to change it and come up with something new to redefine who we are hmm. it's effectively a, a, a rebranding as it were you've already changed some yeah. um that's the problem you you do a lot under one name and then if you have to change it and rebrand yourself to something else then it makes it quite difficult after you've built up a large following as one thing and you're trying to carry that following into the new thing that you're doing it almost seems inevitable, though, that you would lose at least a segment of said following, particularly if it sounds going in a, a different direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had some we had some sort of quite hardcore fans who the thing is, is a lot of the time, especially with sort of a more niche genre like that kind of area of music. Yeah. Your hardcore fans are, are very set in what they like and what they don't like. So. If they like you, great. But if you change something because you want to open yourselves up to a new a new stream of incoming fans who um, are going to fit the demographic you're going for, then you you are possibly going to have some casualties in that your hardcore following from before might not necessarily go with you to your sort of new endeavour and where you're taking your sound. But if, if so, so be it. Almost if that's that's. It's not up to them, it's up to you. That's where you're yeah, going to I, I, always, I always hate this thing. I mean, you know, you look at other bands, you look at bands who have really drastically changed their sound and it's really worth them. So a key example, look at Bring Me The Horizon mm. and how massively they change their sound. And I always see so many people on any of their stuff now saying, oh, this is nowhere near as good as they used to be. They should play what they used to. And it's like, well, no, they, they're playing they choose what they want to play. They choose what group they want to be. If you don't like it, just listen to the old stuff. That's still there. 
just yeah. listen to that and just accept it. You know, there's no point trying to discredit bands for doing something new and doing what they want to do. We, you know, bands aren't beholden to their fans. It's, it's sort of a, a mutual give and take relationship, you know, and if a band wants to change their sound and do something that's their choice, then they're fully entitled to do that. So I always see it as a train. So like, you know, you're on that train with the band and it's rocking away and enjoying it. And the stop, the next stop happens to be one that you don't want to, that you don't want to go any further with them. You just get off. Mm. Good luck. I really enjoyed what you've done. Yeah. But that's it. That's where I get on. Another train will come along later, a, a new group who you'll then gravitate towards them instead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's be honest as well. You know, um, you can't get stuck. If you... How successful do you feel 40 shillings on, a, on the drum would have been in, say, comparison to Creature Creature? Uh, there was, was there more of a glass ceiling, ceiling then than there is now? Uh, yeah. I, personally, I would say so. Some, I mean, some other people might not see it like that, but personally, I would say that it felt like it had gone as far as it could really go. Yeah. Um, because... I think, again, you know, when we sat down and looked at what we were doing and where our sound was going and where we were going as a group, you know, demographic was an important part of that and saying, who are the audiences who we're appealing to and who we're going to get to shows? Because demographics have certain age ranges, depending on the types of music. You know, there are anomalies, of course, where you have people who are older or younger than the average who are into the same music. But... We always found that we didn't appeal to necessarily the the younger markets when we were doing what we were doing with 40 shillings on the drum. Mm. Um, and I think we wanted to try and try and involve the people who are the social media heads who are going to, you know, share and follow you on Facebook and Instagram and publicize you themselves because it kind of takes some of the burden off of you trying to do it as a group. Yeah. It's very difficult trying to do it on your own when no one's listening. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you get a lot of people listening, they take up a bit of the mantle themselves and it makes it a little bit easier for you. Whereas I think with four shillings on the drum, that just there was a limit to how much could happen with that. It took a lot of legwork from the band to get anything to happen. Yeah. Whereas with Creature Creature, things are starting to find their way almost in a natural progression. Yeah, it's um, shouting into the void of social media, waiting for an answer, and at least with Creature Creature, you're starting to get an echo, it seems, at least. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, I think the rebranding helps. You know, we, we've sort of really switched up our style. We've gone for a new, fresh take on things. Um, you know, keeping things snappy. I mean, you know, having a snappy name. A lot of people, I think, while I, while we all liked the name Forty Shillings on the Drum at the time with what we were doing, I think a lot of people didn't really get it mm. necessarily. We had a couple of people know what it was from, but a lot of people sort of didn't really take it in when they found out what our name was. And other people would just basically come right out and say, it's not a good name. You should change it. <laughs> I'm sure the same people have something to say about your current name, but it's it's not about yeah. that. It's simply particularly now, just put it in a generator and see what a rock name generator and see mm. what pops out. Um, Two Finger Tantrum, debut album then. Yes. Um, how have you found the response across social media and uh, people that you've spoken to directly to the singles so far? Because obviously most people wouldn't have heard the full album, but the singles, a couple of singles been out here and there. 
Yeah, so we've had uh, three out so far. And I think the good thing is, is that the response to each of them has been consistent. Um, I mean, when one of them, you know, had a proper music video, Video Nasty was the first one which came out. And that had a proper full music video with a lot of uh, 80s references in it because of the origin of what the song's about. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of people have been interested in each single for different reasons. Okay. Um, So we've kind of, because we haven't had the budget or anything at the moment to do like a full music video for every single, we've had to diversify and adapt and come up with ways of keeping people interested in it. Certainly over social media, trying to keep people interested for more than 15 seconds on a video, even if you have the best song in the world, is still difficult because attention spans are so short now, um, which is natural just when you're scrolling through things all the time. Um, But I just, I think it's been quite a consistent response, which is a good sign, I think, for us. Um, We've had quite a fair bit of traffic on each video. not having to do loads of sponsored posts or anything like that where you know Facebook decides to stick their hand in and take a nice chunk of your unsigned band money oh, wow. um, to publicize you to a load more people who will just scroll past it mm. um, yeah I think it's I think it's been a good response so far to each video um, and each song as they've come out uh, so hopefully that will carry over into the album. And have you um have you ha- read or heard any critic reviews of the album yet? Uh yeah, we've had um we had two we definitely had a couple of um reviews. I think one we've had uh one which was sort of a full breakdown of every song, like individually, um basically characterizing all the good points uh in each of them, etc. And then one's kind of given a little bit more of a general overview of each track and what they like, but also what they dislike about some bits, which I think is helpful. You know, I think you, it's always good if you don't always have people just singing your praises. Of course. Um, I think it's always good to have a little bit of, you know, counter argument and a little bit of constructive criticism to say, I really like what you did in this, but there is also this bit that I don't like. Yeah. You know, one of our tracks on on one review was considered a little bit poppy for them. Um, and, you know, that's what they think. And it's a valid opinion because they're, you know, we've asked them to review something and they're entitled to say whatever they want about it. Yeah. But they've still had very positive things about that track and the rest of the album as a whole. So I think, yeah, you just have to take the um, any feedback positive or negative and process it and use it to um further yourself going forward particularly if you're going to get as say what you've got already and what will come hopefully will be objective views that is a bit more than just this is crap two out of ten or this is amazing ten out of ten i think this is the thing and you know i mean when i was studying one thing i found with kind of music analysis from a lot of people was oh this is rubbish well, why is it rubbish? Oh, well, I don't like that kind of music. Mm. And it's like, well, just because you don't like something, that doesn't mean you can designate it as not being good. You have to look at something within the context of itself, you know, and say, oh, I don't like rap music, but I can acknowledge that this is a really good track. 
yeah, yeah. You know, so many people fall into that trap of saying, I don't like this music, so I think it's bad. When actually it's not, it's just not your, not your bag. Um, but that doesn't mean you can say that it's not good. You're absolutely right. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, a silly, it's a silly thing to do, really. Um, this past weekend, Glastonbury, uh, obviously didn't happen, but they were doing the highlights. Yeah. And, uh, I think I briefly caught a bit of Adele, who'd previously played there. And I don't like Adele. Don't like the don't yeah. like music, but I'm not stupid. You don't you don't headline Glastonbury and sell millions and millions of records. Well, by no, being exactly. <laughs> exactly, and that's the thing. You know, I I wouldn't necessarily go and put an Adele album on in the car or anything. However, I can I can say that in its own realm of music and the type of music it is, she's a good songwriter and she's a very talented singer. Absolutely. It's just it's just not my kind of music that I would necessarily gravitate to. But I think you have to remove your personal bias from, from your um, ability to be objective. Yeah. I think if you go in with your own personal views, then you're sort of making your mind up before you've even heard anything. Yep, yep. Or for a basic description, as I said at the start, I called you punk rockers and I said that that was a little bit too over-encompassing and a lot, it's the most simple way you can... Uh, categorize yeah. sometimes but it certainly isn't fair to just go well that i don't like punk rock so that means i won't like creature creature that's silly no exactly i i think with every form of music you know every band is individual and it's all about creativity which means there are endless sort of levels of just little bits of nuance in any form of music that a band makes there are so many things you know where things that you wouldn't expect to be in there being the genre it is wind up in there and they're better off for it yeah so the, the album uh it's coming out on creature eats records that's your own label yeah running a label that is no easy task no i think the thing is is that i mean we sort of look at it and say well if no other label is around at the moment then we're just gonna have to do it ourselves and that's sort of the way we've done it. We've we've always had a quite um, a rough trade approach to things. It's always been sort of we, you know, you make your own luck and you make your own opportunities arise, and that's how we've always approached everything. Um, because of the fact that we uh, we don't want to get bogged down with relying on other people necessarily. Um, it, if you if you put your faith in yourself to do something because it means as much to you as it does, then you're likely to put everything into it, which is what we've always done. I mean, Dan, the singer, puts loads of effort. He does sort of the main running of the group and he uses so much of his personal time to get things to happen for us. Um, and it's only recently, that obviously, we've started bringing in other people to take over a bit of the publicising because there's only so much we can do as a group. Yep before you have to sort of bring someone else in who knows the industry a bit better, has some contacts who they can sort of put you to, get your foot in the door really and get you at the table because otherwise it's just too difficult to get your material where you want it to go. And but, uh, yeah, so long term, what is the plan with the label then? Is it, is it, really, is it just for yourselves? Are you planning to expand upon your roster? Do you have many bands already on it? We don't. Um, it's very weird. I've spoken to Dan about this a couple of times in the past and we've said about, you know, we, we spoke about doing this album on our own 
previously and sort of came to the conclusion that was going to be the way to do it um, just because of budgeting reasons and kind of not wanting to be beholden to anyone else. Um, so, I mean, we funded the whole album ourselves as well. We didn't have any any outside backing. Um, so, again, it was like we really sort of made everything happen our own way. Mm. Um, but we have spoken about the label opportunity before and looking at potentially expanding. I think um, as a group and a lot of other acts who we've spoken to um, have a bit of an issue with labels in the modern sense now. Um, I think that between them and promoters, it's made it quite difficult for independent bands to get anywhere. So we have discussed previously about sort of bringing more acts in to be involved with us in a in a sort of roster label sense, but we haven't got any concrete plans for that at the moment. Yeah, watch your space, I suppose, because once you start to do that, you become it becomes a heavy part of the focus. You'll be bringing in bands, and suddenly you are. Yeah. Late. I think it opens up a lot of avenues. You know, you can start bringing in bands who are who are like-minded with you, and then you can look to arrange, you know, um, like supported tours and yeah. and other gigs around places where you know you can go to a venue and say we have a full lineup of bands to play for you. Just give us a night that you want. Um, you know, provided that they don't ask you to pay for the pleasure of using their venue. I mean, if we were doing the Room 101 thing, that would be like quite high up. <sighs> you know, I think we've always, I think most bands really struggle with that concept. There is nothing, it seems like there is nothing uh, by a modern um, up and coming UK band at least, to forget the world as the UK, everything's a struggle in some way or another. Mm, yeah very much so it's so, uphill. i would say more in the uk than in other places for sort of uh, young groups i think i think you've got an issue with saturation mm -hmm. because you have so many people trying to you know um make it and headline glastonbury uh who aren't adele yeah and i think you do have quite a lot of bands who not 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 that they all sound the same but they all follow similar influence and and kind of tick all the same boxes so i think in the uk we've always found that we have had more traffic in america and in europe so countries like germany and holland tend to have a bit more traffic i think maybe their their music scene is a little bit behind the uk music scene but in a very good way mm. so they still go out to see bands live that they don't that they've not heard of because that's their scene and their nightlife um whereas i find in the uk that it's always a bit of a struggle to get people to put their hand in their pocket for a fiver mm. to go and see a band they haven't heard of you, yeah you're not you're not wrong on that front um wh what what avenues going forward would as the label and i guess and the band as well if you're combining everything um that you do what avenues would you look to do that might be out of the ordinary is there anything that you can think of that you've considered doing that's like that's not a normal way of doing things that might get people's attention yeah i we i mean we've discussed a lot of things before um to try and be a little bit different yeah um I mean, you know, when we were talking about the uh, album releases, like our old EP as well, when we were way back when, 
um, you know, we were looking at doing things like on social media campaigns and everything with uh, like dead drop um, memory sticks and things like that with the albums on. And they like, we just peppered a load of them around Bryce and wanted to just shove them everywhere and then get people to go and find them. And um, just as a cool little thing to try and rouse up a bit more sort of publicity. Um, we've done a few things before and we'll probably continue this. You know, we've worked with charities and things in the past. I mean, our first tour centered around working with charities in each location that we visited. So like Birmingham and, uh, Cambridge, like it was all based around working with charities in those areas. Um, it helped sort of, uh, it helped create a bit of local publicity for us and for them. Yeah. Um, and we'd probably continue in a similar vein, uh, potentially going forward. Um, but we'd like to expand on our tour diary um, and possibly start working with some support acts or as a support act for, you know, a larger group. I think it's if you can get on a support slot with a band who are already doing, you know, several tours a year who are really established, then that can be quite lucrative for you going forward as your own group. It seems like a, certainly a guaranteed way to at least get some attention uh, for those that turn up to see support bands uh, nowadays as well. Um, I guess that's the biggest problem right now for mm. not, not just you, but um, everyone really. But forget everyone, we're talking about you. You're, you're handcuffed, you're stuck. You're going to release an album on July 10th and you can't do anything. You can't do anything. I think, think that's the thing. That's the bit that sort of really hurts is that we're all... Um, everything's kind of on pause but the world keeps turning so we are stuck um and yet we have to release the album at some point yeah. you know and obviously we've already set it back so we sort of don't really want to set it back again but then we're very limited on what we can do so at the moment it's all about um social media facebook instagram twitter just trying to get as much interest as possible it has worked. We've um, got, you know, quite a lot of uh, pre-orders and everything. Also spanning a lot of different countries, which mm. is the big sort of bonus. I mean, we, you know, we seem to do better with countries outside of the UK at the moment. Um, so America and Australia, we've had um, pre-orders in Japan. Mm. So that's quite a exciting thing, seeing that there are other markets that potentially we could get into that we hadn't necessarily thought we would before. Yeah. Amazing. But, as far, far afield as Japan and Australia. Um, yeah. The only thing is, is the fact that we're stuck and can't really, um, can't really go out and promote in the UK and tour and do big shows or anything like that. Just because of the fact that everything going on at the moment is um, hindering that. Talking of which then, um, if you weren't, if when these restrictions lift, however they're going to be, will it be for you just go hard and heavy then effectively? Um, I, I think so. I mean, we we need to have a few more discussions about sort of our plan. We've what we've always had before is we've always had an action plan that we've kind of updated sort of every six months. So we've had a bit of saying, right, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Yep. And then we see what we get done by um, the time that that six months has passed. And then we update the action plan and then go into the next set of tasks that we want to achieve going forward. Yep. The only thing now is that 
everything's on hold and we need to discuss what the action plan is going to be for when things begin to go back to normal. Which is, I mean, hopefully, hopefully we'll be a hundred percent straight into it and going out and getting shows wherever we can. We've always been like a band that really wants to be active and out there. Um, and you know, we've all worked hard for that. And the thing of like not being able to plug in, turn up really loud and play a big show is kind of like, is murder at the moment. I think yeah. for everyone in the group, we're all just sat there in our homes, and not able to, you know, go and belt out a tune together, which is like probably the worst thing at the moment for all of us. How much of a different beast in your mind is Creature Creature compared to studio and stage? Like, let's say, for example, me, I have never, I've, I've not seen you live, but I have listened to you on record, obviously the new album. Um, yeah. What would, what would be, would I be getting something massively different in the uh, live environment? I think, I think always when a band plays live, there are certain differences. Obviously, when you're in a studio, you know, there's so much um, stitching and nip and tuck and tidying up that gets done with, you know, like with every band, especially when you're, you know, paying a fair amount for it. So you go and see bands like My Chemical Romance or Green Day and you hear something relatively different in terms of the cleanness of things oh, yeah. but it doesn't matter to people when you're going and seeing bands that massive um there's a certain there's a certain difference when we play live i think it's the fact that you know things are a little bit more rough and ready because you're not putting that that production polish and sheen on everything so there's an authenticity to everything and i think that serves well you know the the sort of off hits and things like that all go into part of it um i think the thing that really comes up when we play live is the energy i mean dan's a very productive front man um and he's always very active on stage and very high energy and i think that works to motivate a crowd as well and we all go out and give a hundred percent you know i mean even we've had people sick like before we've gone on stage and people who have been unwell people who you know i mean when we were on tour you go out in Leeds and you party all night and then you come back and then you have to drive to Cambridge or Sheffield and then do another gig. And no matter what, we've always gone to give a hundred percent and, you know, not do anything sort of half-assed and really throw everything into it. To the rock and roll way, man, party all but night. We always, we always try and keep it as close to our sort of vision in our mind as possible. I mean, I, I completely get it. It's one of the joys of live music is that looser, less refined, non-studio side of things. So it is exciting to get that idea uh, that that's obviously applies to you as much as uh, anything else. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to ask you then about uh, one of my favorite tracks now, which is Video Nasty. You already mentioned it. Yeah. Uh, it, I, it more, before I even listened to the full album, it jumped out on me because uh, we cover horror. And we don't just yeah. cover horror, but in the last um, 10, 11 weeks and going forward for the next 70 odd, we're doing a series on a YouTube channel where we're reviewing every video nasty of the right. Perfect. <laughs> so oh, that jumped down and was like, well, that, okay, you know, it's just a song title. Doesn't mean that's anything related to it. But then obviously watch yeah. the video, obviously very 80s themed, uh, you know, yeah. it jumps out. What, why is that? Where did that come about in regards to you? Is it... Uh, are you basically are you horror fans and um yeah uh, yeah i mean we 
we all are um dan and i mean i'm quite into horror films um in a sense i mean i'm i'm somewhat limited in how far back uh some of my viewing has been because of the fact that you know i mean i was born in the 90s so i was born kind of after the whole sort of video nasty um kind of era yeah so there are certain like old horror movies that i've watched and gone back to that people have said dan is a always been a big film head when it comes to that and so has a uh, steve our guitar player as well um i think we all are quite into it but dan wrote the lyrics for this and i mean i sent him a piece of music what normally happens is you know i'll i'll write a bit of music at, at the keys and then send it over to him and he just writes with what he feels at the time and he just came out with all of these lyrics and there were references to video nasties hidden in there as well um i think there are six in now he only meant to put five in but i found a sixth oh brilliant which he didn't realise he'd put in there. Um, and, yeah, I think it just... Uh, he's always had this sort of thing of, like... He's always... Whenever he starts a song, he knows what it's going to be like. And he just started writing, and then before I knew it, it was finished. I mean, this track was actually finished shortly before we went to record. But, you know, we kind of really rushed it to be ready because of the fact that we saw, like, how potentially good a song it could be um and yeah it just meant the video followed suit so there were tons of 80s references um it was actually done in one of the bedrooms of dan's house and it was just decked up with loads of 80s memorabilia um just to yeah just to really create this sort of vibe for the video um there were lots of like poltergeist-esque effects and stuff in there as well and uh, yeah, I think the whole thing was just it had this really cool vibe, and it was and it was something unique. Yeah, you know, we, we try and centre on things that people haven't necessarily done before, and it just seemed like a really cool theme to write about. It is, it is absolutely, it's fascinating. And uh, I was reading the lyrics earlier on, um, and I definitely didn't count six, so uh, I'd have to go back and reread them. Yeah, there there definitely is one in there because he was he was badgering me to try and work out what they were. And then I looked through the whole list of video nasties that were recognised as being video nasties. And then I can't remember which film it is, but there's one that Dan that just happens to have the word in there and Dan didn't realise that he'd put it in there as an actual reference to one. Brilliant. So, so you'd have to look back again, or I would, because I can't remember which one oh, it is. Okay. I, <laughs> I found it about, I found it well over a year ago. I think it was about a year and a half. <laughs> Brilliant. So when, we're not doing creature creature stuff. Uh, what do you do to relax? Are you much of a gamer? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm the most game orientated person in the group. Um, our drummer Matt's also into gaming. Um, possibly not the same level as me, though, I don't think. So, what generic, wide-open question. What are you playing right now, then? Uh, at the moment, I revisited uh, The Last of Us. Um, obviously, with the second one coming out, which I haven't got yet, but it's on the list to get. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I'd revisit the first one. I haven't played it since, you know, it was released originally on the PlayStation 3. Yeah. Um, so, I wanted to reacquaint myself with it. And uh, I'm very glad I did. Um, 
and there's a couple of others. I mean, I switched between that and uh, the uh, God of War from 2018, which I think is a brilliant game. Um, I love everything about it, particularly the soundtrack as well by uh, Bear McCreary. I think it's excellent. Um, soundtrack's very important in games for me. I, I think it's a bit like films. If you took the score away from a film, it totally changes how you how you see it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same with games. Uh, but yeah, those are the two main ones. I do play a bit of FIFA every now and then because I am a I am a football head um, as well. But uh, yeah, those are sort of the two main ones. And I've got a couple of others to start playing again that I haven't played in a long time. Uh, just that I saw when cleaning up recently, and I thought oh, I need to put them on again and you know actually finish them. So like Alien Isolation. Um, and The Evil Within are two games that I never actually got around to finishing. So I'd like to go back and give them a decent go. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, then you do Evil Within, you've got the Evil Within 2 to then start. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So bear, say, bear that I'm, uh, I'm going to presume then your early gaming side of things came from the PS1, potentially, if you were a 90s kid or later. Yeah, just about because... Um, PS2? I, I, I'm mainly the PS2, but I was playing the PS1 as well. I mean, my brother had a PS1. In fact, we both did in the end. Mm. Um, it was great. I had my Rayman sticker set on mine, <laughs> my limited edition. Um, I still got it in the loft, I think, uh, along with like a Dreamcast and a Super Nintendo and everything. But yeah, I, I remember playing my earliest experiences of gaming were playing the PS1 and playing things like Rayman, Crash Bandicoot 1 and 2 and 3, um, Ridge Racer, the old original Ridge Racer with that little Space Invaders-y kind of game at the beginning, <laughs> where if you completed it, you unlocked all of the cars at once, um, except for the, the, uh, the black car, which you had to beat on all the reverse circuits, I think, to get that. I never did that. That was too difficult for a like a four-year-old, I think I was at the time. Um, but yeah, it was mainly the PS2 where things kind of really stuck for me in terms of gaming. Um, I just think it was the first time when gaming was sort of really taken to the point of this is where it's going, this is what it could end up being as a concept. Um, and I think, you know, you look at some of the PS2 games that came out and I think that was just a way of really getting people into it. They, the level of immersion and everything was so much higher and the level of quality of, you know, things like graphics and sound and gameplay were all so high that I think that really made it like, you know, the thing to play and also what made it so much better than Xbox for me. Um, I just, yeah, I think the PS2 was the main one that really got me into it. But I remember all the way back when, when it was, uh, yeah, the good old PS1 days without analog sticks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, my entire youth there. But you brought up Xbox. Yeah. People get fanboys screaming about which is better, Xbox or PlayStation, as if that thing kind of matters. Well, um, to be honest, for me, it's kind of, they both play games. There you go. Yeah. That? I mean, I always see these graphics comparisons like, oh, look at how Red Dead Redemption looks, you know, compared on a PC and an Xbox and a PS4. And it's like they all literally look the same. Yeah. 
The most... And I know some people will think it's blasphemy me saying that, but they do. They do that little colour wash bit across from one to the other. It's like I really see no difference. As a um, a fan of indie developing, development, um, oh, well, yeah. I've I've come to believe that the beyond a few, the whole AAA market is not where good gaming is at anymore. You might find the odd one that's got a massive budget and stuff like that, like The Last of Us Part yeah. 2 and stuff like that. But the majority of quality, if you want something new, original, and potentially touching and all that, comes from the indie side. And that, that, I, that isn't great graphics and stuff. No, I would agree. I think, I think, there's, a certain, um, I think there's a certain charm to indie games that you don't get with AAA titles. I mean, I look at, you know, I look at things like um, the Call of Duty series and battlefield and uh, all of these sorts of things they all have a very similar flavor now and they don't change up enough from game to game i find that it's all very similar and that's why you're getting people having to do rehashes and remasters of things yeah because now because they seem to be reaching a limit of what they can do feasibly at the moment it will probably change with the ps5 coming out but I think because they kind of reach a limit of what they can do with the software and the power they've got, it's now about making people feed on the nostalgia more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I find a lot of games have been like Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed. I've, you know, people say the most recent Assassin's Creed is the best one they've ever done. And I have no interest in it because it's changed a lot from where it was. And I feel like it's, kind of run out of ideas almost yeah. but also and they've had to get really drastic how do you keep up as well when something's being released every bloody year um, well this is yeah, this is the thing i mean assassin's creed games used to have a gap of like you know two or three years between them and then they sped up the process you know when it came to sort of black flag and then it i think it all went downhill from there so you had unity and syndicate and it all kind of it all became very rush job because it's, oh, we want a yearly release to satisfy the market, satisfy the demand and make more money, really, when it comes down to it. You know, I, I would much rather wait four years for something that's fantastic than get one game each year that's average. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the thing with indie games is that a lot of them are like one game, it's not it's not about making it a constant cash grab going on um and you don't have microtransactions or any of this this rubbish that they throw into them now just as a ploy to get more money out of your pockets um so i look at games like uh limbo and um what's the other one awake i think and i'd look at i look at all of these small independent games there is one that I really want to play on an Xbox, but I can't bring myself to actually buy an Xbox just to play Cuphead. But oh, nice. yeah, I'd love to play it. I think it looks great. But I just think they have a real, a real charm about them, and the people who make them really care about yeah. creating an experience for players rather than lining their pockets a little bit. Don't get you don't have to get an Xbox for. Um... Cuphead, uh, it's on. Get a switch, get a Nintendo Switch instead. Then wait, you can play it on that. You can play it on that. I've got a Switch, so I know what I'm doing as soon as we're done. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> well, 
on that note then we shall call this we shall call time on this beyond last minute to sort of say so there's no point asking you what's the plan for creature creature going forward because we don't know what the plan is However, no, we'll, have to, we'll have to touch base again nearer the time when things yeah. return to normal a little bit and we can really sort of say what our mission statement is yeah because at this point it's, there's no point even saying oh you've got tours at the end of the year because we don't even know if that's going to happen at the end of the year. No, I, I think touring-wise, being realistic, we're looking at next year. Yeah. It's going to be sort of, it's going to be a, like around May next year, most likely. I mean, it, things could change. It could be earlier, it could be later. But, I mean, with things like social distancing measures at the moment, it makes it really difficult to do any gigs at all. So I think we have to see what it's going to be like next year. Um and see what things like festivals are doing with audiences and crowds and go from there really. Um, I think trying to rush things is probably going to have more of a negative effect than a positive one at the moment. You're not wrong, but we can end on the important thing, which is of course, two finger tantrum 10th of July by Creature Eat Records. I hope, um, yeah, I hope people are looking forward to it. I'm glad that you enjoyed it as well. You know, so that's one positive. <laughs> it's going to be really awkward if it comes out this week and it actually turns out I hated it, which I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just, I think that it's a, it's a quite a diverse mix. I mean, we, you know, we obviously fit into the punk rock kind of section, but there's, I think there's bits on there for everyone and there's a kind of common theme running through the album that makes it hang well as a set of tracks and a body of work. Yep, I love that. That will do. Perfect. Seb, thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for watching. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and Tumblr. Go to Patreon to help us out over there. That's patreon.com forward slash gbhbl as well as Big Cartel where you can find some of our merchandise. We have a podcast running on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you like this video, do us a favour, hit the subscribe button and help the channel grow. Games, horror and heavy metal, what else is life for?